Hey, I'm Tim. And I'm Drew. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 49, we talked to Brandon Steenbach about creativity as an offering. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I am your host, Tim Babbler, joined as always by my co-host, Drew Sonnenberg. Drew, how are things going for you? Going pretty well. Uh, We had a great chat this week with friend of the podcast, Brandon Steenbach. Um, And one of the things we end up talking about is how churches, especially maybe smaller churches like where I'm at, I'm in a mission setting, how you can support and like sponsor creative people to do work within the church so not just like you you like writing songs so we want you to just write a a pop album or anything like that but how can you use your gifts to serve the church and how can we as the church sponsor or provide opportunities for you to do that um and i I, it reminded me of i I just kind of wanted to share how we here at illumin were able to make songwriting weekend happen Songwriting weekend is something we've been doing here for, you know, three or four years now, and it doesn't cost our congregation a dime because how it works is we invite people who are songwriters to come hang out for the weekend. We don't charge any registration fees or anything like that. We even have people from our congregation who like our host families, if you're coming in from out of town. So the only real cost is for meals and we get a thriving action team to cover the cost of that because this is something that benefits both the community of people here in our congregation, but also we kind of open it up to the, to the rest of the community and have a, a talent show and things like that. That is a blessing to the community as well, but it doesn't cost Illumin anything for this to happen. It's just, it provides an opportunity for, for songwriters to come to be encouraged by other songwriters to collaborate and to bounce ideas off of each other and to like, see their stuff bless people because they they perform it in front of their our congregation here and then we post it on facebook and they get lots of encouragement there and everything and so i i just have been tremendously blessed by those opportunities and i know tim you you've been a part of them what are your thoughts on them yeah i definitely think that it's a it's a great idea and it's even greater to hear that you know, a church of your size, which is a mission congregation, not a ton of members or things like that, but you have the ability to put something on to, like you said, benefit your community, but really benefit the church as a whole. And when you put yourself in a room with other creatives, that just makes it even cooler. So I think if you're a church out there who thinks that we don't have the budget for this, it's doable. And you're going to hear a lot more ideas about that in this week's episode. So let's give that a listen. Today, we're excited to welcome back to the podcast our good friend and my coworker, Brandon Steenbach. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, guys. Brandon, for those who may have missed your past episodes, could you just give a brief introduction to yourself, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Brandon Steenbach. I serve at St. Mark Lutheran Church in De Pere slash Green Bay, Wisconsin. I get to do stuff with our young adult ministries and family ministries and so on. Originally from Seattle, grew up out there kind of drinking coffee and reading good books and stuff <laughs> like that. And <laughs> I, I went to MLC in, in New Ulm and then um, served there for a while in, in New Ulm at uh, St. Paul's Lutheran Church. And now I'm in Green Bay. 
Cool. And uh, recently, Brandon, at work, you and I were talking a little bit about this idea of how do we encourage and empower our church members or people within the church to use and express their creative gifts, no matter what it is in the spectrum. And you kind of mentioned that it this whole concept really goes back to before the Age of Enlightenment. And I'd love for you to expand on that for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so for a, for a long time in the, in the history of the Christian church, really the history of kind of Western society, it was like everybody who was making any kind of art, music, sculpting, writing, anything, all the people who had kind of those creative talents that we think about, they were all using those for the service of the church in a lot of ways, because the church was really supporting that, sponsoring that. Um, a lot of times people, if they if they wanted to be a professional painter, then it was find a church that's going to let you paint something for their walls, for their ceilings or whatever. Or it was find, you know, a church leader who was going to uh, sponsor your work and that sort of thing. Same for, for people who got educated in writing and so on. A large part of that was that they would be educated enough to be able to pass on the writings and the truths of, of what the church was teaching and so on. So there was kind of an intimate tie between creativity and Christianity. But then you get into kind of that Age of Enlightenment period a couple hundred years ago, a little bit more than that now, I guess. And what happened is as, as Western society moved away from the authority and the the validity of the church, and they kind of moved into this secularization, which, I mean, if there are any historians listening, you can decide whether or not that was a good thing or a bad thing. How, how did that really fit into the whole picture? But in the end, one of the things that happened is that all of these people who were really creative, who were into artistry and writing and poetry and music and all of that stuff, started finding other inspirations. You know, they started to look at, at different things in secular society, and they started looking towards other countries, other cultures. Uh, one of the things that you kind of start to see is really interesting is that uh, people who are like people in nobility, people in in uh, political authority, they start to wear like like clothing that is inspired by the Far East or by Middle Eastern styles and that sort of thing. And that becomes really popular very quickly soon after the Age of Enlightenment kind of kicking it kicks off with with start of the French Revolution. And you see just within a few years, that sort of starts to happen. Art styles are copying things from other cultures. And so it's like the church just really lost its relevance when it comes to being a center for developing creativity and art. And I mean, you, you can see that in music and stuff too, that it, from from that point on, there's a shift. The, the great composers that used to be writing sacred music, suddenly the great composers now are the ones who are writing secular music or um, nationalist music. For instance, you have like, uh, like Wagner, who's writing these pieces that really are all kind of focused on nationalism, sort of this Germanic nationalism is kind of the center of that whole idea. So kind of fast forward to nowadays where it's like the church doesn't, is no longer the center of creativity development, you know, in some ways it's almost like the church is, is, I don't want to say anti-creativity, but we don't even think of creative arts as having a place in church ministry. It's all about um, how do we gather the groups and how do we, you know, get Bible studies and how do we get people to to come to worship and all of those things. But how, you know, how can we promote the idea that hey, there's there's a lot of different ways that we can express our creativity in the church. And then conversely, some of the most creative people out there, they're they're not doing things for the church. They're doing it for their maybe their their own interests or maybe their own fame or maybe you know whatever it is but it's they're not focused on 
how can I glorify God with this anymore? Because I think because we're not encouraging it. Yeah, and that kind of reminds me of a recent show I saw by a Christian comedian, Tim Hawkins, who had, was doing this one part uh, in his bit about how when you put the name Christian in front of something, it almost makes it like a, a lesser type of thing. Like, well, you have your, your plumber, and then you have your Christian plumber. You have your artist, and your your Christian artist. So you have your comedian, and as Tim Hawkins is himself, you have your Christian comedian. Right. Right, exactly. And it's it's almost like it, it creates kind of a negative taste, right? Like if you say like, I'm going to see a movie, it's a Christian movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, count me out, right? Because like, cause we kind of associate like a Christian movie is probably going to be subpar in quality, right? Or if I'm like, I, I, right now I'm reading a book series uh, by a guy named Brent Weeks, and uh, it's really an awesome book series. It's kind of a fantasy series called the Lightbringer series. And but it's like he's a Christian and I'm almost afraid to tell people that when I say that they're like, Oh, so how'd you get connected to this author? Well, actually he's a Christian. And they're like, Oh, you know, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I don't want to read this then. Well, no, no. Like I'm like, no, it's actually good. Like I almost have to apologize for him being a Christian because we sort of like associate it. Right. It's almost like, Oh, a Christian author. So what is it? Amish romance or <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, there's that, that idea of Christian artistry is almost like associating with some part. And this is too bad. It really shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I mean, you look at hist- historically, some of the greatest pieces of art are are ones that were produced by Christians, sponsored by the Christian church, by the body of Christ, right? I mean, you look at this, the, the, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, uh, Michelangelo, that, that's incredible, right? Yeah. And I think you, you bring up, there's kind of two aspects to this. There's one, the encouragement aspect of it, and two, the sponsoring aspect. So let's kind of take those one at a time, starting with encouragement. What do you feel or how do you feel churches could be better encouraging people in in all creative realms? Hmm, yeah, I think it has to start. Well, it's, I mean, it's kind of a catch twenty two, right? Because uh, it's kind of like if if I'm a, I'm a creative person and I don't see my church doing anything or using anything creative or using creative people in any substantial way, then how am I going to know that the church is a place where I can do that, right? So there's a certain aspect where we have to uh, recognize that it's going to take some work to just develop somebody, first of all, to identify them and to then to development. But then it also takes kind of an intentional thing. I I think of it, and this is kind of a little bit by way of analogy, but it's like uh, sometimes when you talk about how do you, how do you, increased diversity in your church. You know, if you've got uh, a church that's in a downtown area where there's a lot of people of all kinds of diverse cultures and races and so on, um, a lot of church leaders will tell you that the best way to increase that diversity is to put people in leadership in your church who look like the people you're trying to reach, right? So if, if for instance, I'm uh, my church is in a place that has uh, 30% African-American population, I, I better be looking for somebody who's African-American that I can put on my leadership that's you know, going to represent that population to the rest of the people. And they'll say, hey, this is a church for me too, because if the only people on our church staff are all white, well, then maybe the African-Americans say, I don't know if this is a place for me. But there's a catch-22 there like that because, well, okay, how do I find that person to be on staff if there's nobody like that in my church, you know, or if there's only one or two people in my church and maybe they're not ready for leadership yet, there's going to take a lot of time for development. So I have to take that intentionality, right? Sure. That's kind of analogy taking the same thing when it comes to creatives. I might have to say, okay, who are the people in my church who are doing creative things? And maybe I just have to approach them and say, you know what? 
I think I've seen some amazing stuff that you do, and I really want to find a way to get you involved in ministry with that. I want to find, I want to build a ministry around that. I think sometimes what we've done, a lot of churches do the wrong thing with this is we say, all right, um, we are going to develop a ministry that we think meets a need or that we think is something churches should be doing. And once we've developed that ministry, now we're going to go look for people to do, to fill that ministry. Well, the problem is that most of the things that we think we see as a need or most of the things that we have always done as churches, they don't involve creative people most of the time, right? Unless, unless you know, for worship, maybe it's it's a musician, but there's a lot of other things that people could be doing, right? So we have to sort of look at the person and say, what is this person gifted at? If this person is gifted in writing, how can I build a ministry around that? What, what, what am I going to do with that? I don't, I'm not sure yet, but let's talk with that person and say, what do you, what do you see as a way you could use that gift? Maybe I've got somebody who's just a gifted artist. Okay, what am I going to do with that person? How am I going to get them involved in ministry? What are the, what are their ideas? Sit them down and say, you've got a gift. How can we use that in the church? So I think that's 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 where it's got to start. Sure. And the other one I think is is the trickier one the the sponsoring this the creatives or the ministries or whatever because a lot of churches I mean you and I are in two very different situations where I'm in a mission church and you're in a, a very large congregation. So <laughs> yeah. finances are a little bit different, but for, for lots of churches, they'll say like, we'd love to sponsor creatives, but we just don't have it in the budget or whatever. What, what, do you have any ideas for creative ways of sponsoring creatives? <laughs> yeah. How can we get creative about sponsoring creativity? You know, the one thing that, uh, one thing that I've always said is I'm not a businessman. I'm not a I'm not a numbers guy. Sure. You know, most of the time when it comes to trying to uh, organize ministries, I usually like to say I've got a great idea. So uh, present it to the people who do know the money and say, "Can you help me find the money for it?" <laughs> so I might be the wrong person to be asking about that. That's right. Um, but honestly, you know, I think part of it is that you know, maybe you just have to start small. You know, don't you don't have to bite off that much to start with, but maybe it is a matter of of saying if this if we believe this is a priority if we believe there's value here then we're going to we're going to make space for it um it's a little bit like just in your family budget you know the things that you that you value as a family or as an individual you're going to make room for in your budget zig ziglar the famous uh, sales per, salesman and and kind of sales coach you know he said that once that that if you could show me a man's checkbook register He'll tell you what's important to that guy. <laughs> um, and I think that he's there's a lot of truth to that. So the same kind of idea is like if your church sees this as important, they're going to put some money towards it. So it's kind of like, well, you know, and I don't know what your mission budget looks like, but I know when I've talked with people who are in other small churches, you know, they might spend, they might say, well, you know, it's a huge part of our budget to buy this or that curriculum for our Sunday school or our vacation Bible school or whatever. But yeah, they don't have any money for something like a, a creative arts thing. Well, maybe that's a place to start is to say, well, do we need to have that curriculum? Maybe we need to shave off some money in the budget and put a little bit towards this. And what I'm thinking about is like, if if I've got somebody who I'm developing a ministry around, I'm saying, okay, I want to help you develop your talent, your creative talent and use it for the church. Maybe I, you know, I need to set up some things. Maybe I need to have a place in the building where this is where stuff is going to be displayed. And maybe that means I need to have some physical things that are going to make that work. I mean, to do some renovation or some remodeling. Well, if that's the case, then 
you know, I've got to be willing to put a little bit of money towards that. So I, I guess once again, I, I don't have all the answers or the solutions to that. I just think that it, it's comes down to if it's important to you, you'll find a way to pay for it. Yeah, I do think that's a very important thing to think about, especially when it comes to budgeting and things like that. I mean, you can always start small. The size of your congregation doesn't limit you to what you can do. But think practically for just a second. And a lot of church leaders might say, I know my congregation, I know my members, but it's hard for me to know what they are creative in or how they could best use their gifts. So how would you encourage not just leadership, but just lay people in a congregation to to go into the woodworks and find those creative people and really bring them into the light? I, I think that for myself, as a creative person myself, I tend to kind of gravitate towards those other creative people. I kind of get, you know, find out who they are and kind of know them just by talking about what I do. And that's one of the things is that if you talk about the things you're passionate about, other people are going to find out that you're passionate about it, right? And people who are passionate about the same things then are going to say, hey, yeah, you know what? I like to do that too. Uh, I used to be really kind of nervous whenever I'd uh, mentioned that I'm I'm into writing science fiction and fantasy. I, I Once in a while, I would, you know, th- have the urge to share that I once had a science fiction story published in a, in a book. But then I'd be like, oh, if I say that, people are going to think I'm a total nerd <laughs> and like they're not going to like me anymore. And then I saw at some point I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to say it. And I remember distinctly I was uh, in a group of guys and I, I mentioned it and there were like three guys who were like, really? Like, well, what's the book called? Like, tell me where, where do I find it? Is it on Amazon? <laughs> and I was like, oh, like you guys would be interested in reading it. And they're like, yeah. I was like, well, I'll just send you the story, you know? Yeah. So it was just kind of a thing where I, I realized suddenly, oh, hey, you know, other people might be interested in this. And the next thing I knew, I was starting to meet people who actually, you know, were like, yeah, actually, I've done some dabbling in writing too. Oh, you know, okay. So now over time, I've kind of gotten to know who those people are. And then I think that with time, you start to kind of, uh, develop that network and so on. You know, yeah, this person knows that person and so on. And I think that social media also is really helpful for this though, because when we're open about who we are and what our passions are on social media, I think there's one of those places where social media can actually be a really big benefit to us, right? Because the next thing I know, the people in my friends list who maybe have a passion for that too happen to be the people who are always clicking like on it or or always commenting on it and that sort of thing. And, you know, the next thing I know, they're also sharing things and some of their friends who are commenting on that, oh, those are other people who are interested in this. So that kind of helps you build that network. That Now that's just the kind of the awareness side of it, I guess. But you were saying, Tim, and kind of the practical side of it, what's the next step maybe? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess I don't have any like silver bullet answers to that other than just to say it's just i think it's just you just start doing it you know just today on on facebook uh some a friend of mine commented about wanting to uh have a a writer's group and it was in response to something i just kind of shared something about uh uh, it was actually a, a, a excerpt from uh, Professor Tolkien's journal where he was talking about going to his writing group and showing them the section where he had Frodo going to the gates of Moria and all, or Mordor, I should say, and all this stuff. And, you know, she just commented, you know, this is why I really wish we had a writing group. And it just kind of went through my head. Well, you know, she and I don't live close enough to each other to get together on a regular daily basis or weekly basis or whatever to talk about writing. But, you know, we have this this cool thing where Facebook allows us to connect and share things across many miles and uh, Facebook has the group function. Maybe, maybe that's all it takes is just setting up a Facebook group for people who are into writing, who are Christians who are into writing. And we get as many people as we can into that. And we're just sharing ideas, sharing thoughts, sharing our stories, sharing our excerpts and stuff like that. And the next thing we know, we've got ourselves kind of a little encouragement group and 
can start figuring out, okay, how do we put this into use in God's kingdom? Something else that Tim and I were talking about earlier a little bit was kind of something that, that sort of inspired me a few years ago when it comes to how do we apply our creativity kind of to our place in God's kingdom. And this came, actually, I was reading a, an interview with Matt Redman, who um, he, he's a musician, a Christian musician. And if you're not familiar with him, a lot of good stuff. He's the guy who wrote that song, 10,000 Reasons. And uh, he's written a ton of other really great songs as well. And one of the things that uh, is kind of cool about Matt Redman is he has, if you go to his website, he has all of his chord charts and all that stuff available to to download and use. And he has in the past made the statement that that he doesn't want churches to feel like they have to, um, you know, pay, pay for royalties or anything like that to use his music. It's just, it's available there to use in your worship services as you see fit is kind of what he said. And so in this interview that I think it was Christian, I believe it was Christianity Today who was doing the interview. And they asked him kind of about that specifically. They say, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christian artists or a lot of musicians in general, you know, they want royalties and stuff like that because it's part of how they make their living, obviously. So why is it that you're just so open and you're just so willing to church just doing this? And his response to it was that he saw his giftedness as a gift God had given him to give back to the church. That when he makes a piece of music, he's giving it to the body of Christ. And that's really him giving it to Christ. And so he's like, if I, if I hold that to myself or if I require people to pay me for that, then I'm not giving it as a gift anymore. And if I'm not giving it as a gift, it's not any good. So I need to give that back to the church. So he's like, when I write a song, I'm writing it so that the church can use it. That's what, that's my gift to them or to, to the body of Christ. And that was really inspiring to me because it got me to think about my own giftedness in that way that, you know, before that it was kind of like, well, if I was going to write a story or anything like that, I felt like if it can't be used in my immediate congregational context, or if it doesn't have any kind of benefit to me, you know, from a career perspective as a writer, it's like, well, is this really any worth anything? Is this doing me any good? You know, if I write a, a story that I really, really feel great about, should I put it on a, you know, out there on a blog where people could read it when I can't get paid for it that way? And I used to kind of get wrapped up in all of those thoughts until I read that. And it re- made me realize, you know what? No, I mean, this is just a gift that I can give to the church. And so, you know, if it's, if it's a value to people, if it's going to be something that people are going to want to read, then great. And if it's not, that doesn't matter. I'm still just giving it to God. You know, I'm just letting him take it and use it however he's going to. And it's not up to me anymore to make it the right thing that's going to somehow sell well or something like that. I'm just going to use my gifts and give it to God, give it to the body of Christ and let them do with it what, what, what's good, what the Holy Spirit wants it to do. And so, I mean, a lot of ways when I write a story for uh, Bread for Beggars, that's, that's, kind of going on in the back of my head now, which is just, this is just an offering. This is just an offering to give out there. You know, it was interesting because uh, a few months ago, I published a story on Bread for Beggars called The Day It Rained Silver. And it was really interesting because after I published that, I actually had a number of different people who messaged me saying like, why did you just put this on the blog? Like you could have tried to sell this. You could have made some money selling this to some, you know, magazine or something like that. And I, I was, it was kind of interesting because I was like, I honestly didn't even, it didn't occur to me because I just, I thought this is a good story that I think people are going to be blessed by reading. And I hope so anyway. And I'm just going to put it out there. So I, I think I was really inspired by what Matt Redman had to say about that. And that's kind of where, where I'm, you know, I got that idea. Yeah. And I do think that's a really good way to think of, uh, think of the way you use our creativity as an offering. I recently gave a presentation at Luther Prep about using our gifts in ministry. And one of the things that I said is always ask yourself the question, what is the best way I can serve? 
and just if you always think of it as service or giving it as an offering, I think obviously you can never go wrong. Yeah, you know, and one of the things that I that I've started to do is when I'm I'm going to sit down to do some writing, I start with a prayer. So I I'll say to myself, you know, okay, I I'm going to do this writing now. I, I close my eyes, bow my head, <laughs> fold my hands, all the good prayer stuff, right? And I just say, Lord, use me, take me out of the way, use me as your instrument. Let the words flow uh, as, as the way you want them to, and just help me to say the things that you want me to say. Help me to tell the story you want me to tell. And help me to do so to the best of the ability that you've given me. And I, I'm going to be honest; I, I can't say it's like a like a magic trick. Like every single time I pray that, suddenly, like my stories are amazing. <laughs> like it's not; <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. But I will say that on the days when I've been really frustrated because I feel like I'm getting that writer's block, or I'm just like I don't know where to start, or I, I get started with a story but I just can't make the words come out, those are usually the days when I haven't prayed that prayer. And the days that I do make sure to pray that prayer, a lot of times I feel more relaxed. I, I think there's probably something psychological going there. I think it's just relaxing to take some time to go to God and pray. And it also takes the focus off of doing it right and puts the focus instead on doing it for God. And I think that that helps. But I also think that there's probably a certain spiritual aspect to that too, where I'm asking God to bless what I'm about to do. And his response, when I say, hey, God, help me to do what you want me to do with the gifts you've given me. His response is usually yes. You know? <laughs> so I believe he's helping me. I, I do. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, again, we'd like to uh, thank you for coming on, but before we let you go, uh, is there any sort of ministries or upcoming events that you'd like to promote or plug? You know, one thing that I think is worth putting out on people's radar, it's kind of a long way away yet, but I'm sure we'll have some promotional stuff coming up in not too long here, is that in June, uh, Bread for Beggars is going to be hosting a thing called Bread for Beggars Festival. And it's going to be really an opportunity for um, us to kind of take what we do with Bread for Beggars, all, you know, word form and song and all the different things that we've got and kind of put them out there into a uh, kind of a weekend conference type idea. But now, I don't know if conference is the right word. I mean, I like the, the fact that we're using the word festival. It's a chance to, to get together and to celebrate the artistry and creativity that God has given us. So I know that uh, probably pretty soon there's going to be some more details and information coming out about that. And certainly would urge people to go to breadforbeggars.com to keep an eye out for more information about it. Awesome. Thanks again, Brandon, uh, for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. That just about wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have questions you'd like answers to or people you'd like to hear from, feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wells Creatives. And if you have any interest in supporting the arts or being a sponsor yourself, one of the things that we offer through our Patreon page is the option of having quarterly or monthly goals for uh, creating contests that what is the creative arts contest or churches uh, will benefit from artists who are sponsored to create a specific piece. So please check us out at patreon.com slash hearts and hands podcast. Check out those goals and see what we're hoping to get towards as we continue our ministry here. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.